whoa, that was weird. What happened? Yeah, I logged on and then it took me, like I logged on to the link that you sent me, but then it took me into like another meeting that was just me. Okay. Spooky. <laughs> the ghost is here. <laughs> Zoom is haunted. It's the truth. It is. The, it's the if truth. If host taught us anything, it's that Zoom is haunted, right? Is that anything can happen via Zoom. <laughs> How's it going? Ah, man, it's uh, it's all right. It's, it's, been, it's been a week, Christy. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, man. That's all right. I, uh, you know, I'm turning, I'm turning kind of like we uh, talked about last time we were on, this sort of turning to horror for comfort. Right. Right. And, uh, it's it's the way to go and i guess we're not the only ones uh doing that either. no i've heard so many i've heard so many people i mean like a lot i mean a lot of our friends also yeah. like horror and like <clears throat> they also like to keep it spooky in october yeah but you know a lot of our friends like blake hackler um patrick johnson who we spoke to on the show um parker gray yeah um you know, we've kind of been <laughs> keeping each other entertained with texts going, oh, you've got to watch this. So like, watch this. <laughs> you and me and Parker have been texting every day going like, I'm going to watch this today. Yeah. And I'm I, proud of Parker. He's just, he's knocking, he, he's knocking he, him out. He is. And I've, you know, I have similar text threads with Patrick and Blake and, and it's funny because Pat, well, Patrick and Blake are, are my age, closer to my age than yours. And so we've all been, kind of watching the same things um the hammer type the, stuff the hammer type stuff and and sometimes the super cheesy made for tv stuff but sometimes it's good um you know and just other classics from from the 70s the omen yeah. the, the exorcist you watched the um, shining was that last night i watched the shining last night i was like fuck it i'm just i'm because usually i mean to me the shining you guys know everybody knows here on terror and tacos uh, that The Shining is one of our favorites. Oh, yeah. And we consider it one of like the grandmothers of, or grandfathers of, of uh, I'm not going to assume the gender of The Shining. Hey, come on. <laughs> it's 2020. We can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's one of the, you know, big ones. Yeah. And so I kind of like to save it till Halloween. Yeah. But I was like, fuck it. I voted yeah, I voted. I did my duty. It's your duty. It's time to watch The Shining. It's time to watch The Shining. Yeah, I. I mean, and I know we talked about it last time, but like, I, I normally save the The Shining and The Exorcist sort of towards Halloween. I right. haven't watched The Shining yet, but I've, uh, I've watched The Exorcist already, and then kind of watched half of it again the other night. Dude, I watched The Exorcist October first. Yeah, that's- I was like. I'm an out of the gate. October, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it can't be any more scary than it actually is in the world. Right. I think that's part of it. Um, And then I told you, like, I've gone, I sometimes will just do, like, sort of, like, 90s and early aughts, just, like, ridiculousness. So the other night I watched 13 Ghosts. Oh, my God. (laughs) I haven't seen that movie in so many years. I remember liking it. It is an absolute mess, and I love it. And I can't, you know, it's got Matthew Lillard and Tony Shalhoub and... Oh, two of my favorites. Yeah, um, and it, it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, <laughs> but also, I think Lillard is probably coming off of, like, his Scream fame. Because um, mm-hmm. it's after, it's a few years after Scream. And he is clearly, like... I can do whatever the fuck I want. Right. <laughs> nobody's, nobody's stopping him. Yeah. It's, oh. his, it's his Nicholas Cage face. Yeah, man. It's so glorious and, and over the top. And uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to have to watch it. I, re- I mean, I remember, I don't think I've seen it since I saw it in the like 90s. It many, many years ago. And I remember liking it, but also thinking this is insane. Yeah. It's, t- it's complete madness. <laughs> just potholes as far as the eye can see. Who cares? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, but we both, I guess over the course of the last week or so, we both knocked out the haunting of Bly Manor. We did. We did. I just, um, 
I don't know why I can't remember why now, but I was, I was like, I'm going to save, I'm going to save it until I can like really savor it and enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And then one night I was like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to put it on. I'm going to watch it. And because I like to save those kinds of things for when I have a lot of time Yeah. because I know I'm going to want to binge it. Yeah. And it's nine, this one's nine episodes. Right. So I wanted to save it for a day when I was not going to do anything. And I was like, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to eat ice cream and and watch the whole thing. But uh, we went ahead and started watching it and uh, I liked it. I did too. Um, Yeah. Did Mike Flanagan direct it or did he just produce it? Um, I think he, I mean, I think he directed, I don't know if he directed every episode. Mm -hmm. Um, I know he did create it for television Mm -hmm. and it is, I mean, ostensibly the follow-up it is, it's a follow-up to the haunting of Hill house. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a take on, for those of you not familiar, it is a take on the turn of the screw. Yeah. Uh, Bly Manor is the name of the house in turn of the screw. Which seems to be having a bit of a a, a renaissance with the turning that we reviewed a a Mm -hmm. couple months ago with, uh, Young Finn Wolfhard. Wolf Finnhart? Yeah, Wolf Finnhart. <laughs> the greatest name in Hollywood. And so, yeah. Either way. This is Flanagan's, I guess, take. Not, I guess it is. It's his his adaptation of, of Turn of the Screw and, and some other, I think, Henry James type. Uh, stories find their way into it as well. Right. I think um, I text I think I texted you after the first episode, or it might have been like in the middle of the first episode. He's so Catholic. Yeah, he is. Oh, first we should probably say, hey, spoilers, y'all. We're, we're going to spoil this nine-episode television show. So right. Go watch it and then come listen. Right. Um, yeah, you texted me, he's so Catholic. And I, I, it was funny because we were watching it right when you texted me that. And, um, yeah, he is. Um, he's very, very Catholic. Mm-hmm. And I think I, think I re- re- respond like he, I think especially in, in Bly Manor, um, he seems to just deal with the concept of purgatory uh, a lot. And mm-hmm. I think you see a lot, some of that in Hill House, a lot of it in Hill House, and then even in more so uh, in, in this show. This right. idea that we're, we're sort of trapped in this never-ending loop. Right. And I think, you know, he always plays with time. He yeah. loves to play with time. Yeah. And it's, it's fortunate that he's super good at that. Oh yeah. Um, I, mean, I think, I think the kind of that concept in, in like a lesser director's hands or in somebody who doesn't, I don't know, who doesn't quite have the, a, a handle on that concept of time thing yeah. um, would suffer. But like, I, I feel confident every time that time shifts start to happen. I'm like, okay, as confused or discombobulated as I am right now, I know it's all going to come around mm-hmm. because yes. he's such a good director and he, he, and writer and he handles it so well. Yeah. And I, his, whoever his editor is, again, yeah. deserves a lot of awards. <laughs> um, <laughs> Cause I think Hill house is brilliantly edited. And I think this one is too, and we can get to it, but especially in episode five, which is the total, just time right. fuck episode. Mm-hmm. Um, the editing is just like the editor just does these little things to, to, I think to keep you in, in the story and like tethered to this crazy thing. Right. And it is, it was, we got to episode five. I mean, and I'm not, I wasn't bored. Like it wasn't like I was bored in one through four. It was just, Oh, this is different. This is a different yeah. kind of spooky than, <laughs> Then Hill, Hill, Hill House, Very still in, still enjoyable. Yeah, super atmospheric, like all the things that we both love about a haunted house story. Mm-hmm. Um, just different, less yeah. less jumpy, less you know, kind of like what's around that corner or whatever. Um, then you get to episode five, and you're like, oh shit, here yeah. we go. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, I think that it is, it is, it, I think it's really different. I mean, I think it nods to Hill House, sometimes pretty overtly, just like, mm-hmm. fan, I think, fun or whatever, but it's a different story. And it right. is, 
there are scares, but they are the, to, yeah, I think you just said it at the top. This is much more about atmosphere. Right. And it's like, the, the, I mean, because Haunting of Hill House, the, the, the book itself and the original, that novel is a jumpy scare novel. Mm-hmm. Like that novel is terrifying in that sense. I think this is what he's really, really good at is that he keeps the spirit of the original story yeah. and turn of the screw is not the type of story that is like, Oh, I'm terrified. Like, I mean, for those of you who read horror novels, horror novels, the good ones do have fucking jump scares in them. Like do have things where you're like under your sheet going like, please be my mother, not some ghost who's about to take the sheet off of me right now. And this one, this really, he doesn't contort the original intention or the spirit of the novel like he really brings it into the storytelling in that it it is generally atmospheric this the the scare and the horror the terror of 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 this one really lies in what the fuck happened yeah what is the thing that happened to quint and jessel Right. And, and it's, it, there's a mystery to it. And so, okay. So I guess for those who don't know, and we'll just give, I mean, it's nine episodes, so we'll just give a very brief overview or plot. I right. guess. Also but, it's turn of the screw, man. Turn of the screw. Um, get on it. And, get on um, it. But this, he sets this up, I think, and I think this is purposeful as well. So in Hill House, you have um, the, the eldest brother is a writer, right? And he reads the opening paragraph of what is actually the the novel, um, and and we're we're brought into it. It's a book. This goes, I think, much further. We have a frame story right. in which a white haired Carla Gugino, who I am so in love with, I can't really talk about. Dude, white haired Carla Gugino. Oh my god, white haired Carla Gugino. I think white haired Carla Gugino might be hotter. Absolutely, dark-haired Carla, who is already hot. Who is already hot? Um, Yeah. Oh, and I guess I—it's yeah, Gugino or Gugino. I don't even know, but so hot. We're at a wedding in I think 2007. We're told, and that's how the novel starts. Yeah, and and so we keep that frame story. Essentially, there's this wedding reception or pre, uh, like a pre-dinner. Yeah, rehearsal, whatever. They retire to this bar in this fancy hotel. The hotel might be haunted, blah, blah, blah. They were like, who has a ghost story? Super hot, white-haired Carla Gugino. (laughs) And she's very British in this. And she's like, I have a ghost story. And then apparently these people sit around for nine hours. (laughs) Which I would totally do. (laughs) She warned them. She said, this is long. This is long. And, And she then tells us this story. And it frames, it bookends episodes one and nine. But her voice is the narrator's voice is a huge part of this series. Right. And just like just like in the novel, you don't know who the narrator is. It's kind of, you know, because that's how the novel opens too. like some guy comes into a tavern and goes, I have a story for you. Yeah. And and you you, (laughs) you don't you you don't ever quite know. And it's never quite revealed. Right there's hints, but you know, it plays on that whole, uh, you know, unreliable, unreliable narrator. narrator. Yeah. And I, um, and so she then tells this story. This is obviously, so, so Flanagan updates the, the main part of the story to Mm -hmm. the 1980s. So super hot. I loved. Yeah, me too. Super hot, white haired Carla Gugino (laughs) is telling a story from essentially 20 years ago. She's telling the story in 2007. The bulk of the story takes place in 1987. My year. Uh, yeah. It's a, um, oh man, is that you, man. I graduated from high school in 1987. So like I was 17, 18, which I can, I consider 17, 18, the height of your teenage years. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So that is everything, everything, every part of this, of this, um, story, like, it, it, it was just like a callback was just like absolutely my aesthetic. I That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And that's how I feel about, cause I am like, I'm a few years younger than the stranger things kids are. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's like, yeah, like fucking ghostbusters and all that. 
87. I mean, yeah, I was, I was 12. I was rocking. Uh, the hair is right. The pants are right. Dude, the makeup's right. Like, it's so, it's the, so right. The pants, man. <laughs> the pants are so right. And we have to say, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which I, I mean, like. A great touch. Insane. She, the, the, the actress who plays the governess. Yeah. Uh, who in the novel we never find out her name, but what's right. her name? What's her name? Danielle is her name in this. Danielle. But when, um, the, but when we're being, when the narrator's talking, she never calls her Danielle until the mm-hmm. very end. She she only refers to her as the au pair. Right. And she, so in this version, it's 1987. She's an American. She mm-hmm. has come to England to clearly escape something that has happened in 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 her own life. Right. Right. She has fled something, and she is li- literally haunted by it. I mean, that is what happens in haunting stories. Yes, uh, and so mm-hmm. she gets a job as an au pair, or yeah, I mean, governess in in, in a um, at Bly Manor, right? And and we should point out, and I, I and we talked about this even with talking about Mike Flanagan when we talk about. Um, Hill House and Ouija origin story and Oculus. Uh-huh. He essentially uses a company of actors oh, and then God. and then adds people to it, right? And Henry so, Thomas. I, I, yeah, I love this. And so the au pair is uh, Vanessa Pedretti. Man, it's a lot of Italian representation here, Christy. I know she plays. Who plays the uh, broke neck lady? Broken yeah. the, the youngest and, sibling. Yeah, Mel. Uh-huh. And then Henry Thomas, who mm-hmm. is the younger version of the father, and is he's incredible. <laughs> he's he, he, yeah, and he he's Elliot from ET. Those uh, of you who yeah. don't know. Um, and then you have the uh, the youngest brother, Nell's twin, mm-hmm. um, from Hill House, playing Peter Quint. Right. Um, and uh, Aspen and I both and his his and Mike Flanagan's wife is in it too. Yeah, she makes Mike. a cameo and uh-huh. not a cameo, but yeah, she's in. Uh, she's, she's featured in like one of the life. last episodes. Yeah, and then you have other people all the way throughout, like the woman who plays the children's mom in flashbacks is in um, Doctor Sleep. Mm-hmm. The woman who is his plays his wife's sister in that mm-hmm. other episode. She is the flapper from Hill House. Right. He just, he just, I, I, I love, I absolutely love it. Yeah, I and do too. And they're, they're, they're all really talented. I, I was actually impressed. Like Pedretti does, does something very different. Um, Super different. Yeah. Like she's not like Nell really at all at all and she changed physics obviously she's costumed differently but she right those like those high waist pants change you <laughs> right? um and vocally she's doing something different mm-hmm. by the way i saw an interview with her it's kind of awesome she's only like 25 man fuck her and she is also she's blonde so she looks different yeah, she looks different, and in real life, she she's from Philadelphia and fucking sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so is that so the accent that she's using in in Bly Manor? What, what I couldn't peg it. Is that like is that like Philly? Is I that think it's, it's, it's closer? It's like um, like like a suburban version of that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's uh, yes. Yeah, so I thought she was different, and then you get to I mean the guy who plays Luke. Mm-hmm. Um, in in Hill House, who in real life is British, and this is playing a Scotsman. Right. Um, also, side note, I was like, he's clearly a good-looking dude in Hill House. He's really fucking handsome, that guy. Yeah. Like he's I was taken good. aback. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. Aspen. I didn't. I didn't recognize him at first. No, and and, no, and, it's... and Aspen was like, "Whoa!" And I was like, "Yeah, it's amazing what shaving and cutting your hair and dressing in fine suits will do for it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but these actors, like more than that, the this company of actors, like they really are like an old company of ensemble act character actors who yeah. are like, I mean, forget the the fact that all of them are super good looking and all that kind of stuff. That they're transformative. Yeah, absolutely. because it, it took me a while. I did not recognize him. I was no, like, "Oh shit, wait, that's him." 
Yeah. yeah. And I mean, and Henry Thomas, um, it does something completely different than, right. than I think I've ever seen Henry Thomas do. Right. So Henry Thomas plays in, in Turn of the Screw, the governess goes to see the uncle of the two children who, who, he, who are his charges, who and live at Bly Manor. Their parents have died and the uncle takes care of them, but he never goes to Bly Manor. Right. And in the novel, we never, we never find out why, like, right. we don't know why we just know that he's kind of a cad. We know that he doesn't want to have anything to do with them. Um, and it's the same, it's the same here, but we do learn, we do get to learn more about him in this retelling. Yeah. And he, um, he just does a great job as, yeah. as the uncle. And he, he, ascent, he at one point, because we already said spoilers, right? Mm-hmm. So everyone is haunted by something in this, because it's mm-hmm. a haunting story. He, he is haunted by uh, what his, his brother, his dead brother, calls his true self. And so there are scenes, multiple scenes, where Henry Thomas is acting opposite Henry Thomas, but a, like crazed psychotic version of henry thomas it is terrifying like the first time the first time his doppelganger shows up i that was truly menacing yeah and and i i watched an interview with him last night it was like a group interview with with all the leads and keep in mind henry thomas as you said is elliot so this is and i think in in real life he's probably close to 50 yeah Um, he's my age okay so he was, when he played Elliot, a child. So this is a man who has been in this business for fucking Ever. decades. Yeah. Right? Fucking decades. And in the interview, he said he thinks that is technically the most challenging thing he's ever had to do in his career. Uh, to well, this point, was playing opposite himself. He fucking nailed it. Absolutely. I mean, and that is, I mean, I think it's also a testament to Mike Flanagan and the writing yeah. and all that stuff, but what he does, and I was about to say, like, it's truly menacing. It's truly terrifying. And he's doing almost nothing. Yeah. He's doing there's, almost nothing. There's just like a few little things that are amped up. Yeah. And it's, it's fucking great. Uh, yeah. On top of having to do an accent, which is not something you really associate with with Henry Thomas, you know. Right, right. Um, so, uh, yeah, story-wise, the au pair is running. She she goes and applies for this job. It's clear she's not going to get it. But then they run into each other in a bar. And right. She's him, overqualified. He's, he's like, overqualified. you're overqualified. Why are you here? Yeah. And she gives some excuse. Right. And then and and she doesn't then, get it kind of lays out when they see each other in the bar that she just, she wants to make a difference. Right. And in the classroom, she can't because you have 30 screaming kids and, and all right. that. And so she goes to Bly Manor and we meet, um, you know, the housekeeper. Incredible. That lady is fucking incredible. Incredible. Uh, and, and the cook or chef. Incredible. Uh, yeah. I love that guy. He's on a show. I know him from a show called I Zombie. He, he's great. Um, yeah, that woman though who plays Mrs. Gross, dude, dude, she has an episode. I, we were Aspen and I, episode five. Yeah, it is the closest thing to a a one person show that you can have in on on television. Right, and it's so beautiful. Like it's so beautifully done because when you watch you watch see um, episode five, and you go, oh shit, that's what she was doing in episode. Yes. To blow my mind. And of yeah. course, a lot of it is editing and all that stuff. But for her to be consistent, yeah, it, it was just, she's an incredible, yeah. incredible actress. She's phenomenal. And, and I think that, yeah, the guy who plays the chef is great. Um, and we meet the, the gardener. She's great. Um, Miss Jessel. Miss Jessel. Uh, we see in flashbacks. So, so um, these two children have not only lost their parents. Wait, can we? Talk about the little boy who plays Miles. That dude fucking, what the fuck? What (laughs) the fuck freak of nature child is that? Because, so, I mean, Flora plays Flora and she's lovely. She's a little girl. She's a lovely small British child. This child who plays Miles, Mm -hmm. there were times 
And I am not joking. There were times when I forgot he was a child. Yeah. Like I thought he was an adult human being. Yeah. He is uh, insanely talented. And I looked at him. He's he's on a British TV show. Um, He and um, the, the, the guy who plays Peter Quint, Mm -hmm. um, Luke from Hill House. Luke. Yeah. So they, they did, this is, I think, also a testament to Flanagan and that, obviously, that little boy's just preternatural talent. Yeah. They would do the scenes, and the guy who plays Peter Quint, whose name I can't remember right now for some reason, they would, he would play the scene, and the little boy would watch. watch. And then they would the little boy would step in, they would reshoot and then they would shoot the scene. And essentially it was. That's brilliant. It, it is brilliant. And, and, and in this interview, they were talking, it's like, it is a concept that's the idea of a, of a 10 year old, even understanding what it is to move and talk like an adult in a real way and not in a, I'm not, not pretending or yeah. acting to be it, an adult, but it, like mirroring what another person does yeah. with their gesture and with their voice. Yeah. And, it, and, and, and mirroring a man who is six foot fucking four and dead handsome and also terrifying and when, selling it. Yeah. And, and selling it. I mean, it, you know, uh, just a little, tidbit of uh trivia it is it's the reverse of how uh i can't remember which episode it is but that's what helena helena bonham carter when she was playing uh what beatrix lestrange or whatever Mm -hmm. what what's is that her name Mm -hmm. um when she has to there's the scene where emma watson as hermione has to take the the polyjuice potion and go to the bank right and she turns into lestrange so, but it's Bellatrix. Helena Bonham Carter. So, uh, Bellatrix and um, Helena Bonham Carter asked whoever that director was, can we have Emma Watson play the scene first and then I can watch Emma Watson and then I will shoot the scene. Because and, I am a 50 something woman and I have to act like a 16 year old. <laughs> right. Exactly. So that's how they did it. But this is the reverse of that. I mean, there were, there were, do you, do you know Alex Ross? He's an, he's yeah. an actor. He's from Dallas. The, this little kid reminded me so much of adult Alex Ross. Yeah. Which is crazy. Cause Alex one is a great actor, but a grown ass man. Yeah. He's like six foot something, whatever. Yeah. And like there, I would be like this, I mean, it would it wouldn't take me out of watching the episode in a bad way. I was just so impressed with this child's talent. Uh, yeah, there are. I mean, he had swagger. I, it, it's it, it was. I mean, honestly, one of the it was staggering. Um, he had adult man swagger. swagger, and he is ten. Yeah, and this is why when we talked about the turning, they cast Finn Wolfhard, Wolf Finhard. <laughs> who is 16 or 17 to right. play Miles. And they, they aged up Miles because I'm sure they were like, no kid can do what needs to be done. Well, this fucking kid did it. This fucking kid did it. And the and thing is, is so that much that, better as a, it's as, so as, much better because when a little kid, when you can, when it's the little kid, I mean, there's that one scene where he's talking to uh, the, Danielle, the au pair. And he like, he asks her to come closer and he whis- whispers in her ear. And then he just like very lightly moves the hair over yeah. her ear. I mean, that is so sexually charged yeah. and it is more terrifying and disturbing that it is a 10 year old child. Far more disturbing. And then also I think makes the character of miles so much more empathetic. Right. It's so clearly not this little boy. Right. Um, whereas if it's a 16 year old or a 17 year old kid, especially that's where he lives. Exactly. Yes. You yeah. want to fuck the hot au pair. Of course you do. <laughs> if you're 16. That's the plot of every porn. I mean, <laughs> like, um, so yeah, the, the, the he is uh, that kid and they all like in this interview I was watching, they all were sort of blown away. Um, yeah. And the little girl is Flora. Isn't she's lovely. She's lovely. Great. I mean, as an adorable 
She does she, all the things. She did her job. It's not nearly the as difficult a role. Right. Uh, uh, and and he, he, he absolutely pulls it off. And he yeah. absolutely pulls off. He absolutely pulls off the, the, the switch between being Quint. Yeah. And being Miles again. So for those of you who don't know the story, you should know the story. Yeah, and hopefully you've the, watched it now. Yeah, the children in in the novel and in and in and in Bly Manor um, are possessed. Yeah. They they are possessed by the ghost of the va- the valet Peter Quint and yeah. the ghost of the old au pair um, or the prior au pair. Um, yeah. Miss Jessel. Miss Jessel. And um, it becomes about, <clears throat> I think, you know, the, the, the main sort of, the way we get backstory in this and learn more about everything is that when they are possessing these children, the children are what they call tucked away. Right. Memories. I loved it, man. I thought, I thought that was so clever. So yeah. I have to say, in the, in the original story, that's part of the reason that it, that it's kind of, I mean, well, yeah, of course it's part of the reason it's terrifying. We don't learn any of that shit. And in the novel, in the novel, Quint and Jessel, Quint mostly, but Jessel also, they, they, their reasons for possessing the children are it's really dark. Mm -hmm. It's really, 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 really dark and, you know, kind of terrifying. And, and especially for that, for any time period, but in that time yeah. period, I'm sure it was like super controversial and kind Absolutely. of like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like it is mind blowing what is suggested in the novel. Right. Um, in this version, we get more of a backstory of why Quint and Jessel are doing yeah. it. And I, I found it really, really interesting. I, I, I'm yeah, sorry, I, I interrupted you. No, no, no. I mean, I thought it, it was great. And, and I thought it was such a clever, and not clever in like, oh, fucking clever. No, like a really smart way to <clears throat> expand the story. Because, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, Turn the Screw isn't that long. No. Uh, uh, there, there are not a lot of, like you said, you don't learn a lot about these characters. And and if you're hey if you're gonna make nine episodes of, of hour long television, you're gonna have to do something with it. Yeah. But this was such a great way. It allows him to play with time in the way that he likes, but it also allows us to learn about the characters, about the history of the house, which is right. obviously like part of this series now, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, he just sets up rules like so so well you know the thing that is so important to these kind of stories to to all horror right like he sets up the rules of what the characters can and can't do and he sets them up so cleverly and also nuanced and complicated that it just you allow yourself to be taken and you it's just he's just so good at it he's so good at and i'm talking specifically about the being tucked away thing You you don't question it no, and it, it it works. And if again, you might end an episode confused, but you know it'll pay off. Um, so I, you know, I was on, I was reading, and and you know, it's gotten mixed reviews, which I think is common at this point. But I think a lot of people, and I actually, Parker and I were talking about, we're texting the other night when when I started because he finished it all in a day. Um, because he's young and has energy, right. Uh, but but a lot of people seem to go in, they went into it expecting Hill House. Right. Um, and Parker texted me because I, 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 I really was hooked from the, I really liked this. And then I can, I'll talk more about whatever. But um, he, he said, you know, I fear people are going to be, he loved it. It's like, I fear people are going to be disappointed if they, if they expect Hill House. And they're going to miss sort of what this show has to offer on its own. Mm-hmm. And in reading some reviews, that does seem to be the case. Um, but I, I would have been, I think I would have been disappointed if he just tried to redo Hill House. Well, absolutely. In a because, different house. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, we just talked about 
we just talked. Those people are stupid. <laughs> I, like, in my opinion, anybody who is is like disappointed or is giving this series a bad review because it's not Hill House is just fucking stupid. And they don't know anything about Mike Flanagan or what he does, because you and I just talked about it. He this is not the greatest hits. This is not the sequel to the first one. And right. I'm going to give you the greatest hits of the first one because Haunting of Hill House and Turn of the Screw although both haunted stories are two very different novels. Yeah. So why would he regurgitate what he did in Haunting of Hill House in a story that's different? He is taking the kernel of what the novel is and giving and expanding on that. Yeah. You know, he's giving you the spirit of the novel in this, re- in this retelling of it. And he's like, okay, we saw Hill House. That's one story. Now let's look at a total now and for a diff, now for a different thing. Yeah, and I, I, it, 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 there's there's a there's a line in the, in the last I mean in the very last episode um, when we come back to the frame story and super hot white haired Carla Gugino <laughs> wraps up and she's telling the story to the bride who right I mean whatever we're spoiling everything who is is Flora um, and 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 she says the bride says. Um, I think you got it wrong. I think you got one thing wrong uh, at the top. You said this was a ghost story and this is a love story. And then she says, well, when you retell it, make that change for me. And I do like Hill House is about family, right? Like the, all of that dysfunction in, in, in a family and, and other things, but that this really to me is about the possessive nature of love and yeah. the, the inherent heartbreak, right? The right. idea that I love this person so much and I know if I ever am true to myself, if I ever really think about it, at some point, one of us is going to lose the other one. Right. And how, how do you... How do you, yeah, how do you, how do you deal with that? The the way Quint deals with it in this is, is super fucked up. (laughs) Right. It's like, I am going to defy the laws of nature to, Um, to stay with the person that I love. And that, that is the thing that you don't get in the novel. Like you, you do, you, you know, and in the novel it's there. We, we just can't see it because it's written from a very specific point of view, mm -hmm. but you do in, in this, you do get to see more of like that class struggle. Right. Whereas in the novel you go like, Oh, this au pair and this valet, they're corrupt. They're horrible. Right. And in this telling you get to see that because of the class structure. Yeah. They don't, they, they're, if they say, yeah, they never had a chance. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think part of this is, is, Again, going back to this like idea of purgatory in like a very Catholic sense. Uh, I mean, the man's name is Mike Flanagan. I mean, like, <laughs> he's, he's yeah, clear. man, he's super. It's part of what I love about it. Yeah. It's part of what I love about it. It's so so Catholic. Yeah, and I think so. You have purgatory in the like supernatural sense, but you also have the idea like class is its own purgatory, right? Especially in wow, yeah. Especially in stories like this, right, where the, right. the class system is like. I mean, I know that exists here, but in England, it's like there's fucking names for it and shit. Right. Well, and it's like it, when the when the story was <laughs> when the story was originally written, like there was no, there wasn't really a way, or people were just beginning to have a way to break that class, right? Mm-hmm. Like you were born into a certain class, and you stayed there. Yeah. Like there was you just couldn't get further than that and then somewhere along the way we were made to believe that we could break our class structure but if we really think about it like today that's very rare it's it's extremely rare i mean yeah. it, 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 you know even if you look at i think people who have become quote unquote successful like in terms of money right like wow look at all this money this kid made and like yeah, now he's a billionaire, but he was born a millionaire and he got to go to Harvard and all that shit. Like, yeah, right. I mean, it happens, of course, but it's rare. And in, in a lot of cases to break that class, you have to have some absurd idiosyncratic talent. Like mm-hmm. you have to be the best goddamn basketball player to ever step foot on earth. 
And still, someone's going to look down on you. Exactly. And tell you to shut the fuck up and just dribble. Right. Exactly. Um, And so I think, again, like, so, yeah, there's the supernatural purgatory. The house is purgatory. But but class is purgatory. And that is what we get to see Quint dealing with. Does he deal with it in the best way? Maybe not. (laughs) Maybe, maybe not. But his... Oh my God. It's so, this is what's complicated about it is that, you know, his, his motives, his motive is love. Yeah. Yeah. And his, yeah. And I think his, his flaw is uh, he is extremely possessive um, and, and jealous. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe not as kind as Jessel deep down. Right. Uh, but that's- and like, there's a there's a really great parallel between Jessel and Danielle, also yeah. in that they are both they're both super talented. Like you know, Jessel is a, a you know, she wants to be a, a, a barrister. Like she wants to straight up, yeah. you know, be. What, I'm not sure what the difference is, but like she's definitely in England. Like being she wants to like wear the white wig. I yeah, guess. she wants to wear the white wig and like litigate. I guess that's what it is. She's like, like I want to be a barrister, not a solicitor. And I was like, I do not know what. I, I thought they were. No idea what that is, know. but okay, that's what she wants to be. And she's thinking that she can get in by becoming the au pair and yeah. whatever. Because and the uncle is a a a barrister, right? And Danielle is a teacher and she's very, she's very good at it. And they have both, they have both allowed in their own way, men in their lives to kind of like squash who they really are. And for Danielle, that involves even another level, like Mm -hmm. an even a deeper level of who she is that I'm not going to spoil. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And and, and yeah, that's the struggle. And, And I also think, you know, it's funny, you and I, we just did an interview. We were on a, on a different podcast, which was super fun. That we should yeah, it was super fun. The end. But you and I sort of talked about this idea of like seeing more stuff set in the 80s and 90s and just to avoid technology. Um, I don't think that's the reason Flanagan did this, uh, set this in the 80s. I don't think it was like, so they didn't have cell phones. Right. I think it was purposeful in that, things that Danielle is dealing with um, back then were maybe not as easy to come forward with as they are now. So not, many things. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's easy. Now. You know what I'm saying, but like, no, I know what you're saying. And it's, it's as somebody who was right at that age and who, you know, I, I won't get into it in this episode, mm-hmm. but who, I mean, you, you and I, we're both married before. So you and I have shared these stories. Um, Like, yeah, there are certain, we're from like this weird generation, Michael, that Mm -hmm. kind of like straddles old school and new. I guess you can say that about any generation, but ours is unique in that we straddle technology and no technology. Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah. Like our generation is weird in that. And there were just some things that, in the eighties that we were already like pushing forward and, and, mm. and trying to be progressive and getting ahead. But there was a wall there. There Absolutely. was still a very significant wall there of like, this is how far I can go and I can't go any further. Yeah. And, and right. Actually, I, I would assume I no, I mean, I know like, obviously like we still have a long fucking way to go. But like, if you look at how women were viewed just back then, it was still like, "Hey, once you get married, you should probably shut the fuck up and let your right. Husband- you're too loud. <laughs> you're too loud. You're too smart. Uh-huh. You're too smart for your own. Bo- boys don't like smart girls. And you see, so you see, Jessel and and Danielle have to have sort of subvert a lot of themselves because of of the sort of power that men. Uh, in the, in around them and in society hold. Right. Um, and so I think the eighties was perfect. I also think it's, it's, um, I, I don't know. It just makes it, it's far enough away now to where it can be this, like, did this really happen? Was it? (laughs) No, I don't know. Oh man. Are we there? Oh God. 
I mean, it's uh, it's a long time. Yeah, you know, yesterday, just, just I'm, I'm going to segue a little bit, but like yesterday, I'm directing a play via Zoom in Pittsburgh, and it's a very young cast, and there's a reference in the script to the Cosby show, like they make a reference, and I said, okay, time out, does everybody know why we're referencing the Cosby show here? N- nobody knew, yes. so I, I had to explain why the reference to the Cosby show was important to this story, sure. as far as the Cosby show being like, something that broke a barrier right you know? and right. people were like what yeah isn't that the guy in jail um right. well it's funny like you and i were texting with with parker the other night because he was watching house of the devil for the first time right he really loved it um it, but even even i was even thinking it's like i mean i thought that was a movie i had missed because mm-hmm. th- that's when we you know again this is like the j- decade we lived through. I thought so too. I can't even imagine, like, I can't, there's no way, like, we can watch that movie in the same way as Parker. Not as Parker one does. Is better than, better than the other or whatever. Yeah, there's no way that he can, that we can watch that the same way. Um, and it's like you said, like, the fucking pants and this and, um, but I do Everything. Think that, yeah. And I also think the 80s fits in perfectly with this idea of class, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the 80s, especially over here and especially in popular culture, we're so much about like fucking, you know, getting rich and money and blah, blah, right. blah. So I, think the eight, I mean, to me, the eighties is a decade that is really responsible. And we were young, so it wasn't our fault. I'm going to say that right now. <laughs> it was not, mind. was not our fault. Um, we were teenagers. I was a teenager. Michael was about to become a teenager. Yeah. Um, but the, 80s is the decade I feel that is responsible for the situation we are in right now Definitely. in I, the world. I absolutely agree. Uh, and now, it, is, it, it is all about decadence and power and yeah. greed and, and, and just like more, 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 more. Yeah. And Ronald Reagan. And Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Fuck that fucker. Fuck that guy. Um, so, uh, yeah, all of that said, I mean, I, I, I really liked it. And I, I mean, I, I don't want to bring any... Any, anyone down, but uh, I had such an odd um, experience of viewing this because I started last week um, and then this Sunday I had a death in the family um, and I, I, going back to it, I, it, I was just struck at, I, I don't know, I don't know, I, like I'm clearly still dealing with it, but um, th- the way it deals with grief and the inability to let go and the desire to at times completely live in a memory instead of confronting the thing right in front of you, which you see in Hannah's character, Mrs. Gross's character. Yeah. Uh, perfectly. Beautifully. Perfectly. And I, I just, I, I don't know. I just thought like, he, he just, he gets so many things just about loss and grief and, and death. He just gets so many things right. I think. Yeah. Um, I, I, I agree. uh, And so that, that was a, 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 yeah. I mean, I know that's specific, but. uh, No, I think it's, it's, it's super relevant. It actually made, it, it made me think about my sister, you know, and for me, it's been, <clears throat> little a little over a year mm-hmm. um since i lost my sister and and he 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 gets it he gets yeah. it absolutely right and there i mean there i think there's a a reason that i you know yeah it's scary and again we already said this is a different kind of scare but you know even if you're talking about hill house there are episodes where you might be scared and then at the same time just find yourself like fucking weeping at the end. Right. And I think that is a um I think that's like the great that's the great thing about this subgenre of horror movie of yeah. like the, the haunting, right? <clears throat> and I you mentioned it but now it just came up organically for me right now. That is like these are things that are really good about movies like The Others or mm-hmm. The Orphanage which are scary haunting stories, the changeling, yeah. uh, but that are also touching upon this idea of, of the past and grief and letting go and facing what's in front of you instead of 
being tucked away yeah. in your memory. Yeah. And it's, it's really, it's, I think it's really effective and he does it really well. Um, yeah. Whether every episode of this is perfect. I, I, I don't, I, you know, I don't know. What's um, perfect. Exactly. And, and if you expect Hill House and want Hill House, then you, then you might be disappointed, but that's on you. Go watch Hill House. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just, uh, I, I, I also think, look, I love Oculus and I love um, Ouija, Origin of Evil. We've I love Ouija, Origin of Evil. But I really think he flourishes in this medium. Yeah. He has time. Time. When he has yeah. nine or 10 hours or whatever it is t- to do what he wants to do. Yeah. Um, which I think is, is, I hope he keeps doing it. Well, I mean, he's, I know he's working on another series. Speaking of him being super Catholic, um, his next series is called Midnight Mass. Uh, and um, I don't know exactly what it's about. It, it's, I, I already like the title. Yeah, it connects to his, uh, apparently if... It's not about Christmas, right? It's not about Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a book that in his, I think first or second movie hush which is his first big movie the writer is writing a book i believe called midnight mass uh-huh. um, but we don't really learn anything about that book right yeah, uh, uh, so i i'm assuming there's gonna be terrifying nuns um, that that's where i'm at i cannot wait i yeah. i man i fucking love cat he's so catholic i i truly truly appreciate it I, I i love it so much because it's so much of like what gets to the core of what actually scares me yeah me too and and it's you know it's it's a i mean it's a nice thing that i i don't know it's like he's obviously irish right his name is mike flanagan yeah Um, and sometimes you and i talk about sort of the differences between the irish mexican italian yeah but like it's very little there's very little difference we clearly have this shared thing um, I guess because it's just beaten into us when we're. Young. I think it's. I think it's also because I'm just. I don't know. People may get offended, but like Mexicans, Italians, and Irish people at their core are really kind of pagan. Yes, exactly, and and and, and then all of that got mixed in, mixed in. together, I, and so I, there's 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 always this you know little yeah it, which it, I, it, it finds its way in there. Yeah, which is, I mean, I made a joke about this the other day, but it's one of the reasons that uh, a, a lot of times you'll have um, certain sects of Protestantism that don't really consider Catholics Christian, right. uh, which is hilarious since they fucking started it. And they're I mean, all terrible. Look, there's I, like a, yeah, but I'm it's like the there's church. a fucking crucifix over the altar in every Catholic church. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and look, the church is terrible and I don't want to defend their shit, but it is a weird thing to me. But I do think it's because of those um, pagan roots that are yeah. honestly sometimes really obvious in the Catholic church. And kind of like to me, the most beautiful thing about it. Yeah, that's why I love it. Um, it's yeah. the, I love it. But it's the one thing I yeah. ritual in the paganism right. are the things I'm into. Because it's this- Speaking, yeah. Speaking of Catholic horror, I mean, it's it's... Not as Catholic. I mean, he's super Catholic, but he's not as Catholic as that priest in Louisiana who was just arrested <laughs> for having a menage with those two hot goth chicks. Canonize that man, Christy. <laughs> I know. Please tell, like, I want, I want one Catholic or lapsed Catholic. I want a lapsed Catholic to come up to me, write to me, message me, and tell me that you didn't think about that at some point in your life. Fucking hero. <laughs> He's a fucking hero. They were all consenting adults. Exactly. They were all consenting adults. Yeah. And the, the bishop of the diocese, and they were arrested. They were arrested. Mm. I'm like, why did you arrest them? They were just having sex. They burnt the altar. I know. And you brought this up. I mean, now we're way off, but whatever. Yeah. We haven't really gotten to talk in a while. Um, dude, that church has done way worse fucking things. Absolutely. Like, why are you, why are the power? And I'm not talking about the Catholic people. I'm talking about the powers that be mm-hmm. like the Catholic the church itself. The, the church itself the is Catholic so people. up in arms. They're so up in arms about this priest who fucked 
two hot goth chicks on the altar. Who were adults. Right? Who were adults. Yeah. But not a peep on the priests who rape children. Yeah. It's that's it's it's fucking crazy. Look, are you going to defrock the guy? Sure. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but, fuck you, man. He did way less. Like, that's not... That's nothing. Also, it's awesome, but whatever. Did you see those girls? Dude, they were hot. Dude, come on. And he was a good-looking priest. He's a good-looking priest. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't look super good-looking in his mugshot, but I'm sure there must have been something about <laughs> him that those girls were like, um, yeah. yeah. Or, yeah, or they thought it was a cool idea. And it's Louisiana. Louisiana's <laughs> weird. It's got its own shit. Um, <laughs> No, I'm uh, sorry. No, I, I had to mention it on the show. Amazing story. Um, I love it so much. It's so funny because Isa posted the they burnt the altar. Yeah, and Isa Isa commented, "Haven't y'all heard of Lysol?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It seems really extreme, man. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, it's fucking. So, awesome. Bly Manor. Bly Manor. Yeah, I look. I really, like I said, I, I really liked it. Um, it hit me in a very different way than, than Hill House. And, mm-hmm. um, it, I, you know, I don't know. I think, I don't want to keep it. Hill House seemed sort of like very groundbreaking in a way to a lot of people. And and I guess maybe, I, I don't know. I don't know what people expect. Like I don't know either. But I have I have a question for you. Sure. So, you know, we've been talking about how during during at this stage in the pandemic and the quarantine, we're still keeping ourselves out of public anyway, um, that we are finding comfort yeah. in horror. And you and I and some of our friends have been finding it. it it's been a little bit difficult to watch new, new, new things mm-hmm. um, that we've been finding comfort in the stuff from our childhood and stuff from that, that you know, gives us nostalgia or something like yeah. that. Um, however, I found that Haunting of Bly Manor actually fit in really well into that, that comfort feeling. Yeah. Uh, did, did it for you? Yes. And I, and it is obviously brand new. Um, and I don't know if it's because the story is somewhat familiar or because the actors are, or it is this sort of company um, or if Flanagan just kind of works in like an an older, I don't even know, milieu? I don't know. Like it feels, it doesn't feel like I'm, I'm necessarily watching like something brand new. And I, I mean that as a positive. Yeah. Like I feel like he hit the way he approaches filmmaking is from a, is more akin to a different era. Yeah, he's he, yeah. Like you, you can tell. You, I mean, it is so clear that he he loves his classic horror, and yeah. he, and that he loves he loves that, and that's why this format works for him so well when he has time because he likes to take his time telling a story, and yeah. that is so from the eighties and the seventies. Seventies, and I, I think there's something. Um, you know, obviously the, the, these are both based on, on, on novels, on literary works, but there is something literary in, 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 especially in this, in the structure to it, that they, I mean, first of all, like the, the he names, those two women, Perdita and Viola, like he's, right. he's not making any qualms, but I think this allows him to, I, I saw one critique was like, well, nothing happens between such and such and such and such. I'm like, that, that nothing, something doesn't always have to happen. Like there can be a story that is about atmosphere or about theme. Or I'm okay with that in books, but not in movies or television. Or, or something could be happening. If you just think people don't want to think Michael, Yeah, that's the thing. People don't want to think. And right. the, and in the novel, part of the reason the novel is so good and and so terrifying is because you actually have to think. Right. You actually have to draw your own conclusions and face face your own conclusions, which can be a little bit terrifying. Yeah. Right. And if just because you think something is not happening in front of you by the, I I, I I reject that. 
I, I, I reject it as an actor and as a director. I reject the notion that nothing is happening in a scene. Something is always happening between two people in a scene. If yeah. you're too fucking lazy to think about the subtext, That's then I can't help you. That's yeah. on you. Yeah. And, and yeah, yes, you're absolutely right. And so I, sorry, I got very no, passionate like, about that. I think you're right. And, and, um, yeah, I mean, I, I go watch it. I don't know, you know, and, and people want everything spoon fed to them. Yeah, and, and he's doing some stuff, man. And like we said, nothing's perfect. Does every episode is every episode flawless? No, but man, it's, it's as a whole, I think he's really doing some things. Yeah. And I am excited to see not only, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see Midnight Mass. I mean, I think. Yeah. This is what this, what Flanagan is, is really good at. Not that he can't make good movies. Like we said, there are a couple of his movies I love. That are super good. Um, but, you know, for everyone who has told me, like, it's funny to hear someone who loves, to, tries to convince me to love Dr. Sleep and then hear that they haven't seen Hill House. And I'm like, right. everything he does in Dr. Sleep, he does significantly better. Right. Hill House. Um, right. And um, so I, uh, I'm excited to see his next series. And, and I assume half of these actors will be back. Yeah. <laughs> Which I love yeah. too. I'm excited about that too. Yeah. Go watch Bly Manor y'all. Yeah. It's, it's really, really, really good. I do have to plug another movie that I watched recently. Um, and I, I think I plugged it on our Facebook page, but I, I have to say it out loud. I, I, I watched La Llorona on Shudder not the 2019 travesty, but right. the Shutter exclusive. It's out of Guatemala, and it's directed by this guy named Jairo Bustamante, who I think one of his films was nominated for Best Foreign Feature, like last year. Cool. Um, it is so good. It is so good, and it's exactly the type of horror we're talking about. It's so smart, and it is. It's it's not going to be. It's one of those stories where it really feels like you are peeking into someone's life and you're watching something unfold and you're watching ghosts from the past come back and, and, um, and wreak vengeance, you know, it, it's, it, and it, it left, it's, it is the kind of, of ghost story that is scary. And also at the end of it left me in tears. Yeah, it, uh, it's so good. I need to see it. That's awesome, and I'm glad because you told me when you watched it that it it it, it uh, sort of erases the horror of the curse of La Llorona, which was right. garbage. It it uh, was garbage, and this one is so good, and it's in Spanish, y'all. But watch watch movies in other languages. I can't. I'm not going to get tired of telling you. No, it's the it's the it's the best. Yeah. Um. Yeah, come on. Um, do you want to plug the, should we plug the, the other? The yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Mike and I were guests on a podcast called Welcome to Jamesville, right? Yes. Um, and uh, it's it's a really interesting podcast about yeah. all kinds of things. Uh-huh. And James listened to Terror and Tacos and he really liked it. And he was like, I'm going to have these two fools on my podcast. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was really fun. We got to talk about movies and other things. Yeah, I mean, we got, got to kind of do what we do here, but with someone else, which was fun. And he had some, James had some great questions. That game that we played, I was. Yeah, which, which we actually were good at. Yeah. I didn't think we were going to be good at and, it. And so we're on, we're going to be on November 1st. So welcome to mm-hmm. Jamesville. There's a why in that. We can post all of this. But, yeah, we'll post it. Um, but the week before, it's sort of the like Halloween, two-part Halloween special. Uh, our dear friend uh, Paul Taylor is on is on the week before. So right. um, Paul, who we have interviewed, and in, uh, whatever Paul's a really good friend of ours. Yeah, Paul Taylor was it was Pinhead in uh, Hellraiser Judgment. He's yeah. in our movie Final Dress. He, he Renfield played Renfield in, in our Dracula. Uh, He's so a great Paul guy. Was on right before Halloween, and then we're on I think the day after Halloween. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was super fun. I want to say thanks to James. I had a really great time um yeah just getting to to talk about movies with 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 someone else and and we got to right cover a large and you know bunch of different topics so check yeah yeah um 
And I'm I'm gonna go. I didn't eat tacos before the show, but I'm about to go eat tacos right now. Awesome. I'm so excited. I'm gonna try this this place that's new to me on Live Oak. It's called Cesar's Cesar's Tacos. And okay. it's right ac- it's right across the street from La Banqueta. So oh, nice. we'll see what that's we'll see what that's like. It's a, a a mom and pop place. All right. That sounds awesome. And we will you know, it's, I feel like it's been a month since we did our last one. So we'll, we'll see. Hopefully we'll be back sooner this time. We'll yeah. see where the pandemic takes us. See where the pandemic takes us. But thanks for joining us. I'm Christy. I'm Michael. And this was Terror and Tacos. Thank you, Jim John, for our music and everything else that you do for us. And I guess we'll see you next time. All right. See ya. Bye. See you, Christy.